0: Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of the Read Between Podcast, the improvised storytelling podcast where we take the internet's weirdest suggestions and turn them into weird, wacky, and crazy stories through the power of improv. I am your solo host today, Evan. Uh, Lynn is unfortunately on assignment today. And by on assignment, I mean she could not make the recording session because she has a crazy work schedule that would not allow her to be here today. So I'm very sad that she's not here, unfortunately, but have no fear. I have enlisted the help of an awesome co-host today. He's a good friend of mine. He is a fellow improviser for the team Super Taster here in Bethlehem, PA, and he is also the producer slash co-host of another podcast that we have mentioned recently called the Never Done Again podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you Mr. Joe Rovner. Joe, how you doing?
1: Thanks, Evan. Evan, it's an uh, on- honor. To be here, man. I I also have a crazy work schedule, but I was allowed to come here on my lunch break, so yeah. I'm here.
0: You were allowed to come here, drink some beers, and yeah. do some podcasting with your good buddies. <laughs> Thank you again for joining me. I really do appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this a lot. Yeah, so, let's do it. Yeah. So, uh, so for people that may not know who you are, you want to give them a little bit of background on what you do and who you are.
1: Sure, sure. So I, uh, well, let me just say I first met you I think in 201. We had 201 taught by Dan Mar. Yes. And at that point, you had already done a, a lot of improv. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I, I was on a team called Cast Party. That was started by uh, Jillian Chiaro, and that had Dan Ford on it. His former guest of Re-Between. Rob Cressman Re-between. was in it. A lot of great people. And then from there, I, I was on another spinoff team. and Then I was on Power Hour, um, Family Laundry. Yep. We were on Family Laundry. And... Uh, I have a duo group with Dan Ford named uh, Father and Son. Yep. I'm currently on, on my third or fourth round of Power Hour with Super Taster. Great
0: team, great yeah. team that's just recently started up, and you guys are so good. Like you, I've I've watched you guys now the past few Power Hours, and you guys are just so good. You crush it all the time.
1: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's my first four person team. Really, usually yeah. with family laundry, we had I guess seven or eight. Yeah, you know. Um. And besides that I I besides dabbling in improv, you know, I like to do karaoke, I like to I like to read, I'm a big fan of reading, hiking. I'm recently getting back into the gym, I'm trying to get back into shape. Nice, nice. I do stuff related to radio? Yeah, you know? that's right, cuz yep, now you're the you're the producer and co-host of the mm-hmm. Never Done Again podcast. Mm-hmm. Big fan of radio? Yeah. I like trashy movies. I know I've been here a few times yes. when you do the uh, we do the bad movie night. Yes, Joe has been a part of uh, of my
0: bad movie nights that I've held with uh, with our various friends. And they've been some fun nights. We've watched some terrible movies, laughed a lot. And uh, yeah, so much fun to watch bad movies. What was the one? Birdzilla? Was it Birdzilla? Or Birdemic. Or was it? Birdemic. Birdemic. was the yeah, one we watched that first time. That, that was great. I think that all changed us as people. Yeah. A lot. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Well, Joe, again, thank you for being on the show today. Really glad to have you here. Um, I'm sure you've heard from people that have been on the show before how we do things, but for those who may be new to the show and for Joe, I'll kind of explain how we're going to go with the first half of the episode here. Uh, since Lynn is not here, I'm actually taking the duties of pulling these stories today. So we're going to a subreddit on Reddit called Not the Onion, which has headlines that you would think would be fake because they seem so crazy, but they are actually real. So we're going to go through, pick a few, and uh, and then we'll choose one to tell the story behind. So let me look through here and see what we got um, oh, here's a good one. Amish man launches Uber ride service with his horse and buggy. Wow. Uber is really starting to expand now. But how would, how would he contact people? If he's truly Amish, he wouldn't have a phone. I mean, he'd probably just be riding around screaming, Uber! Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> just, just, running, just riding around in his horse and buggy screaming and just waving his straw hat around. He probably has a giant Uber flag on his straw hat, I would say.
1: Wow. I wonder how he gets paid.
0: That's a good question. Can't use Venmo, can't no. use PayPal, yeah, nothing like that. Straight cash transactions,
1: yeah, that's crazy. You I mean, can't
0: beat that for tax purposes. That's like, that's great. You don't have to deal with that. Well, it's gonna be hard to beat that that headline. That's a good uh, one. Oh, I, we found some good ones. Like this one here: uh, Appeals court rules man who smuggled gold in rectum shouldn't have to pay for market price hike. What court was that? Is that in America? Uh I think it's Canada because okay. the website it's from says OttawaCitizen.co. And okay. I'm not clicking on any of the articles, it's just looking at the headlines. But gotcha. so it looks like it's Canadian.
1: Yeah, they have a different legal system than us. Yeah, clearly. They,
0: they do. Um, one the main question I have is why why in why in your butt? Why you gotta put the gold in your butt? Yeah. I mean,
1: it's not many people are walking around with gold right now in their pockets. So do you think he, he swallowed it or he just how do you think it got there?
0: Uh that's a really good question and one that I don't necessarily want to want to think about. But uh, but if I had to guess probably swallowed it. Wow. I would think maybe. I don't know. If I'm wrong, it probably would be even worse. Okay, and then our third one today, uh, is the headline Abingdon Police open calming pink cell for children.
1: Interesting. So, if they, I guess, arrest children, mm-hmm. juveniles, they put them in a pink cell. Yeah, to keep them calm. Huh? I don't know. That story's a little sad.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's our job to make it funny, yeah, so yep, it doesn't true. have to be sad, Joe.
1: That's true. So,
0: out of those three headlines, uh, which do you like the best, and which would you want to um, which would you want to tell the story behind?
1: I mean, the Amish one, I love, but at the same time, I feel it's maybe a little too easy. I don't know. Okay, but it speaks to me.
0: Okay, story. All right. So, uh, so I think we'll go with that one. So, so let's tell the story of the Amish Uber driver. All right. So. So our story starts off in good old Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the home of Sturgis Pretzels and Dutch Wonderland, and uh, and our story begins with a man named Jebediah. Jebediah, of course, I know I'm reaching with a real common Amish name, but uh, but Jebediah lived on his family farm. He was a 22-year-old man, you know, start trying to find his way in the world, you know, everybody's, you know. As a young adult, you're trying to find your way around, and you know he was working on his family's farm for years, churning butter and tending to the animals, but he always knew he wanted to do something more. He always knew he wanted to be something greater than
1: just a farmhand. It was a fateful Sunday morning, and the sun was hot and high in the sky, and Jebediah had his sith out, and he was just sithing the wheat, and all of a sudden, he heard another um, horse and buggy on on the road. Yep, and he looked up, and here was the most beautiful, lavish horse and buggy, with big stainless steel rims, and his jaw just dropped.
0: <laughs> now, so so with this with this horse and buggy, were these like, are we talking like twenty two inch spinner rims on yes. this buggy? Oh, yes, like pimp my ride
1: style mm-hmm. rims. And he shook his Sith at the sun, and he goes, "That's Ishmael." <laughs> <laughs> now now uh now jebediah and ishmael
0: we we must explain have had quite a rivalry over the course of their uh over the course of their growing up because they they grew up across the road on competing farms each year
1: they try to see who can raise the biggest barn yep. it's quite a rivalry
0: yeah every year they get more and more wood to just build a, to build a bigger and bigger barn higher and higher more stories than ever before and every year ishmael just seems to beat out jebediah by just mere inches and that just doesn't sit well with jebediah and ishmael now decided that he was going to be the hot shot on the block with his new horse and buggy at, you know his beautiful stallion riding around in his black buggy with black spinning rims uh riding through the streets of lancaster
1: and as this lavish horse and buggy passed jebediah jebediah caught a little logo in the front that said lift oh lift Oh, so he wasn't even with, Ishmael wasn't even with Uber. Nope. So uh-huh. Jebediah throws his Sith on the ground and says, that does it. I need to show this guy how it's done. The competition doesn't start and stop with the barn raising. Exactly. It's We're taking it to the streets. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing about Lyft, and the one thing I've seen with a lot of their cars,
0: is that drivers have, to, I don't know if it's a requirement, but I see a lot of people do, they put the pink mustaches on the front of their cars. Yes. Was that the case with Ishmael? The yes, guy, he had a giant pink. No, mm. and, and actually, oh no, now I'm remembering correctly. Ishmael put the pink mustache on his horse. That's it. He didn't put it on the buggy. He put it on the horse. That's where he saw it. <laughs> it was. It was in the. It was in the reins of the horses. Of of the horses, whatever.
1: It was just there, and every time the horse just neighed, it was just a giant mustache. So that night, Jebediah did something really, really sinful and dirty. He kissed his wife goodnight. And then he walked, he walked 35 miles into town to the nearest Walmart and he went into their tech section. Oh my gosh. And he searched what was Lyft. And from searching Lyft, he saw the other competitors such as Uber. And that's when the genesis of the idea was sprung. So
0: now when he went into this Walmart, I'm sure it was very much a culture shock for him. (laughs) Like he walks in, there's these giant bright lights and all this beeping and buzzing everywhere. And he's just...
1: He actually fainted, but the, the clientele at Walmart just stepped over him and uh,
0: <laughs> the greeter just didn't even like yeah. bat an eye yeah <laughs> so so when, and when he went back to the tech section, how did he figure out how to search like did he like talk to somebody did he hijack like the cell phone person's
1: computer there that they're like registering cell phones on or how did that work out? He stood in the department for about an hour and he just Observed other customers. He figured it out. Okay, he figured it out. But he had known from before that there was this thing called the internet, and uh, he felt shameful every time he walked into town doing this. He didn't do it often, Uh but he felt dirty every time he'd come back to the farm after searching things on the internet. So this was was, wrong. So this was a regular thing. Okay, every now and then he had to. It was an addiction. It was a compulsion, and he could not keep his hands off of the complimentary Wi-Fi at Walmart. (laughs) <laughs> so what so you, you mentioned he's gone
0: previously what were some of the other searches he made like probably some very mundane
1: things i would assume that like we we think about all the time well a lot of the times he would go there It was it was motivated by the um the competition he had between him and, and ishmael oh okay um, so one time he came in, he was curious about power tools cause he wanted an edge with building that barn. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So,
0: and probably there were some things like, uh, but I'm sure he probably thought of some other weird things that he may have just heard in passing. um, like probably at one time he probably searched Chipotle or something yeah. like that because sure. somebody mentioned Chipotle that was like driving by somebody in like a family in their Ford Focus driving down this dirt road in the middle of Lancaster yeah. that had no idea where they were going just
1: like where's Chipotle you know their in their entire perspective on the modern world is is limited to who passes on on the dirt roads <laughs> you know they just they hear oh, I I just watched Casablanca and it's just like they gotta Google it what is yeah. that what is
0: that what is this Casablanca that I've heard of. And then they realize it's a movie from the from the early 1900s, starring Clark Gable, if I'm correct. Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. God damn it. Oh, Humphrey Bogart. I don't know my. Ugh, I don't know my classics. Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> I've never seen it. I, neither have I. Never seen it. We ought to do a old black and white movie night. We should. That I would don't. be that would be interesting. So you mean the Artist from 2013? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So back to the story. So. Um. So Jebediah goes to Walmart He searches and finds Uber So his next plan of action is then Okay, so Ishmael has this buggy And he has this horse I mean, I have a horse on this farm But this horse is nowhere near ready To be carrying people around in our city So I need to train this horse Yes And his, his method of training the horse Is just I'm just going to feed you grain Until you just start walking when I tell you to And see if it works Unfortunately it didn't because horses require a lot more training than just throwing grain in a straight
1: line and expecting them to, to follow. I'm seeing a Rocky four montage of just trying to train the uh, the horse with him feeding it. <laughs> Je- Jebediah's father is is
0: Paulie in yeah. the case. Just like God damn it, Jebediah, what do you what do you think you're doing
1: with this horse? Just 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 get him on the cart. Just get him moving. Just, you don't have to throw grain at him, just do it. And so you're right. The training did not work. In fact, the horse became very fat and very tired. (laughs) And as a result, Jebediah was at a crossroads. He knew he wanted to compete with Ishmael, but his one source of transportation was down for the count. So this led him. That was a great boxing reference, by the way. It was great. (laughs) This this led him once again to sneak out of the house at 2 Mm a.m. and to make the trek. To the twenty-four hour Walmart. How long? So he
0: walked on foot. Yes. How long did it take him to get there? Thirty miles, you said. Yeah.
1: Was he like? Is he like Forrest Gump, where he can run so fast? Or the Amish are? Uh, they are just used to to things that we're not. They're conditioned <laughs> for a harder, sobering way of life. So they can run a four-minute mile. You're mm-hmm. saying? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. So he went to Walmart, and once again he picked up that. That tablet. (laughs) And he Googled other sources of transportation. And that's when he came across the Vespa. A Vespa. That's when he came across the Vespa. The greatest
0: greatest model of Italian scooter you can possibly buy. And he knew that this was going to be the stallion that was going to get him going. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, a Vespa, how the hell is that going to tow a buggy? How is it going to tow a buggy with people in it? Well, Jebediah was an engineering master, and, and he knew all about aerodynamics and everything relating to how a buggy should move and, you know, what, need, how, what it needs to be made of. And he managed to procure, through his various trips to Walmart, a large amount of carbon fiber. I don't know how. I don't know when, but he did. He had <laughs> copious amounts of carbon fiber to build a buggy out of. Now, as we know, carbon fiber is very lightweight, very aerodynamic, and this made for the perfect material
1: for the buggy that he was going to use to compete with Ishmael. That's right. Every time he would make the trek to Walmart, he would leave with his pockets and his pants just full of the fiber. At the time, he didn't know why he was taking it, mm-hmm. but he knew it would come in hand Yeah, at some point. Yeah, he, just, he hears... He hears
0: all these things, like these these guys riding around in their souped up nineteen ninety six Civics with the giant spoilers on them, as they just drive by. Hey, bro, you get that carbon fiber?
1: That's it. That's it. That's how he heard. That's about how it. he
0: heard about it. Just, just a guy drove by. It's like, yeah, my carbon
1: fiber spoiler. And so he made the trek all the way back to the farm, and he set out to connect the Vespa and merge it with the carriage. Yes. The carbon fiber carriage of destiny. And then he chiseled into a piece of wood. The words Uber. It was a, it was a beautiful carving. All done by hand. No stencil.
0: Nothing. It was just a beautiful. It was in a nice cursive lettering. It was
1: beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. And then once again, this is before dawn broke. He snuck into the bedroom and kissed his wife <laughs> goodbye again. His wife slept a lot. That's all she seemed to do. <laughs> was she a narcoleptic? <laughs> narcoleptic he didn't know if he would see her again but he knew he had to make the the sojourn back into the big city Mm -hmm. and pick up some customers he had to yeah
0: and with that being said he hopped on the vespa and pulled the buggy and with and within the first mile he he was driving and it felt like there was nothing behind him it felt like he was carrying a feather because the cart he built was so aerodynamic. Now, the cart was not your typical looking buggy cart. It was it almost looked like the back end of a Lincoln Continental. It was like plush and spacious because I mean, he knew how to do upholstery. He put in these beautiful leather seats, leather from the from the cowhide that he had, you know, he had been gr- he had been growing with his family over the course of generations and generations. He had this beautiful leather. These seats were plush and comfortable as ever. And it was just the most luxurious-looking cart anybody had ever seen. Blue Ishmael's out of the water. So people were going to be coming in droves to ride in his Uber. But, as we found out, when he gets to the city, things are a little bit harder than he first
1: anticipated. The only area he knew was the Walmart parking lot. So he pulled in, and he stood outside of the Vespa, and he waited. And he waited and waited and
0: waited and waited some more until finally finally an older gentleman stopped by the buggy stopped looked at it for a little bit admired it kind of looked it up and down walked all around till he finally looked at
1: Jebediah and said
0: are you taking people for errands thing
1: and Jebediah stroked his beard and said yes please get in I need to beat my my arch nemesis, Ishmael. I'll explain it on the ride. All, all right. Well, you got, you got your first customer then. So uh, let's just get on in this thing. Let's get going. And so the passenger got in. And they set off for the Amish area of Lancaster. About five miles down the road, Jebediah looked behind him. And wouldn't you know it. There was Ishmael's wagon catching up on him. The horse was barreling down the street as fast as it could
0: possibly gallop, and looking like it was just straight—it was straight out of sea biscuit. Like that horse was just focused on the road in front of it and barreling through anybody that got in its way.
1: Jebediah rarely cursed in his fifty-four years on the planet, but he couldn't help but to uh, exclaim a mild curse, and he said. Consarnit it, it, and he shook an angry fist. The old customer didn't like that. The older man said, "Please, please keep your hands on on the handlebars of the Vespa. Just
0: keep your hands on the handlebars, there, son. Just uh, we'll, we'll get we'll we'll get there. Just just don't worry about it. You know
1: this 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 ride is going to turn out pretty good for you. I have a feeling. Just uh, just just keep doing what you're doing." Ishmael caught up with speed and noticed that it was Jebediah. Ishmael just started laughing manically, throwing his head up, and laughed. Suddenly, Ishmael then veered his wagon to the left, almost pushing Jebediah's Vespa off the road and into the cornfield. Oh, jeez! Oh,
0: yeah, and and Jebediah somehow regained control, got back on the road, and and finished his journey. Got got the old gentleman to where he to where he wanted to go, which surprisingly was a uh, was a used car dealership. A used car dealership just outside of Lancaster, maybe a couple miles away from where Jebediah lived. And this old man, he, he owned this car a lot, and he noticed Jebediah's skill on the road and his skills with, with driving a scooter and his perception and his ability to see what's coming, and, and he knew there was something special about him. He knew there was something special that he could tap into. And getting him behind the wheel of something other than a scooter was going to mean great
1: things for him. The old man said, You know, we've been looking for a man of your talents and skills for quite some time here at the Sioka Hyundai dealership of Lancaster.
0: <laughs> family owned since
1: 1967. <laughs> Jeb and I didn't know what to say. He stroked his beard as he was apt to do. That was a nervous twitch he had. And he said to the old man, I can't leave my family, I can't leave the farm, it's all I know. I'd love to stay here and work on these chariots of steel and thunder. But my world remains back at the farm with the family. And he knew he still had to beat
0: Ishmael. There was still still that lingering rivalry hanging over his head. But he now had a way to one-up Ishmael and end the feud forever. That's right. And on, on that used car lot was one car in particular. One car that that Jebediah looked at and knew, knew it was going to completely destroy Ishmael's hope of ever winning. And that car was a Bugatti Veyron. A Bugatti Veyron. Yes. The Sioka Hyundai dealership of Lancaster. A man, I don't know what kind of man, traded in his Bugatti Veyron for 250 Hyundai Tucson's, And, and... Jebediah looked at this car and he said, and he said to the old man, is there any way I can drive this car and, and just beat my friend once and for all? And the old man looked at the car, looked back at Jebediah, looked at the cart and buggy or looked at the cart and Vespa that Jebediah had built with his bare hands. And the old man approvingly nodded at Jebediah and said, you take care of him, son. You get him off your back for good, and then you come back here.
1: We'll take care of you. Jebediah turned around to admire the Bugatti, and then when he turned back, the old man was gone. <laughs> oh, we're in some ghost story territory right now. You have to understand, Lancaster country, it's uh, it's a little different out there. You ever been out there lately? No, not in wild.
0: It's... a while. A lot of spooky spirit shit going on.
1: You know, it's pretty close to Gettysburg. <laughs> Really not that you know.
0: So, <laughs> so 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 could this have been the ghost of Stonewall Jackson?
1: That's exactly who it was. Holy shit! That's it. Wow. He was just trying to refight the war. Wow. And he found a vessel in the form of Jebediah versus Ishmael, <laughs> and he knew the, the chariot to lead him to victory was the Bugatti Veyron mm-hmm. sitting in
0: the Sioka Hyundai of Lancaster parking lot.
1: That's exactly it.
0: And with that. The keys magically appeared out of nowhere into Jebediah's hand. Jebediah hopped in the front seat, it took him a while, couldn't figure out how to work the buttons on the on the key fob, it took him a minute, and then when the suicide doors opened up, he was like, "What is going on? Why are these doors moving up? This is strange and then managed to get inside,
1: take another twenty minutes, turn on the car, and then then he then he drove the Bugatti straight and directly into Ishmael's family's barn <laughs> and ended the feud once <laughs> and for all.
0: Jebediah <laughs> became a world famous, uh, world famous race car driver who now races in the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. And every
1: night he comes back home and he kisses his wife on the cheek. She still lays there sleeping.
0: Because she's been asleep for like three days straight.
1: And he <laughs> says, one day I'll be back and I'll make you proud. And she just responds, <laughs>
0: The end? The end. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, man, that was great. That's a beautiful story. (laughs) That was was a very beautiful story. That was heart wrenching. That was was a very nice, you know, three act story beginning, Mm -hmm. middle, and end. Had a rising
1: action, a climax, a falling action, a resolution. Perfect storytelling. You know, I used to have to drive into that area quite a bit, and and I'm sure you've seen it. There are these signs, you know, would have like the little horse logo on it Mm -hmm. road signs telling you to look out. Yeah. Yeah, so, especially if you're going to a Shady Maple Buffet, you know, <laughs> oh, God. I, I've
0: never been there, but really? I need to go. Oh, yeah. Everybody tells me
1: about it all the time. I mean, it's great. It's very long, but it repeats. Oh. Right. So like you'll go down this buffet line. You're like, oh, my God, my eyes are just full of, you know, prime rib and mm-hmm. scones. Then you move down another foot. It's like, wait a minute. It's just scones and prime rib again. It just keeps repeating. Just feels like deja vu. Yes. Deja food. Yes. Oh, yes. That, that sounds like a great
0: story title for another time. Deja food. Deja food. (laughs) That could be a podcast. That could be. Oh, that's... You're giving me ideas, Joe. You're giving me ideas. Well, what we'll do is we'll take a break here. We'll come back. We'll, we'll take a break, and I'll, we'll talk to you about some stuff that you got going on, some of your projects. And
1: Absolutely then, nothing. <laughs>
0: uh, and then we'll come back, and we'll tell another story. We'll tell another story submitted by uh, our friends from the Mabim Bambino Podcasters page on Facebook. So uh, cool. the suggestions that were submitted last week, we're going to take one of those and tell another story based on that. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Hey guys, Evan here, back with a back with a break here with Joe, uh, where we're here to talk about a couple of the projects that he's got going on and then something that we both got going on. So, Joe, as we talked about in the beginning of the show, you are the co-host and producer of the Never Done Again podcast with Kat Aldrich. Uh, do you want to give the people a little bit of an idea of what that podcast is about?
1: Sure, Evan. You know, as long as I've been dabbling in the scene here, Kat has had this blog um, called Never Done Again. Mm-hmm. Kat is a local... Improv enthusiast And she used to improvise uh, Quite a bit Um, Was on the Associate Mess for a while But she has this blog And it really chronicles The happenings in the scene Mm -hmm. Interviews with uh, improvisers Little write-ups of shows and events And we were waiting in line For um, a show at Steel Stacks And she was saying She wanted to do a podcast And I said Well, I used to do that I still do it sometimes And she said Would I help her? I said, Sure and um, we're on episode two. we just mm-hmm. finished episode two. We're working on episode three coming up and and my, my objective as I see it is to find what what do I like in the blog and make that a podcast form And for me, mm-hmm. I would always refer to that blog for interviews you know, mm-hmm. with different improvisers and just read up on stuff like that. yeah so if we can capture the same quality. Of the blog, that's my uh, that's my mission.
0: Yeah, and your second episode, which just released this week, this past weekend, um, was with was an interview with Evan Stutz, who is actually my coach for our team Four Eyes, um, and that was such a really good interview, a great insight into what a guy like that, how he functions, and his like idea of comedy and what he sees the scene as being, especially because he was basically a forerunner for our entire Lehigh
1: Valley improv scene. Yeah, it's interesting when when you are acquaintances or friends or what have you with some of these improvisers, there's a part of you that communicates with them on that level, but you also have a lot of questions, right? You want to pick their brain. Mm-hmm. And Evan's one of those guys. Um, you know, Candio, Dan Mars, Sam Beadle, Cindy, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of people that have been around and seen since inception, and mm-hmm. you kind of want to find out their views on how they approach certain scenes and forms and their philosophy on comedy in general yeah absolutely so where can people go to find this podcast if they want to listen to it right now it is on youtube cat has a youtube page i would just uh search never done again blog she's got a link on her blog Mm -hmm. or search it on youtube or of course the improv in the lehigh valley facebook page there's 600 members on that we're posting it on that um we're trying to spread it out to different avenues you know we don't have it on itunes yet Mm -hmm. Um, But for right now, it's just on YouTube. But I'm already getting some complaints. People say they can't listen to it on their phone if it's on YouTube. So I I got to... I got to experiment. I yeah. got some work cut out for me. Yeah, and I guess, I'm, I guess I'm the only guy that listens to podcasts on YouTube. I thought that was a thing. <laughs> You're probably the views that we get on YouTube. Yes, actually, I am. <laughs> well, that's
0: good though. At least we know somebody's listening. Um, and also, as Joe mentioned with the blog, if you want to check out Cat's uh, blog with all the interviews and everything like that, you can go to NeverDoneAgain.wordpress.com and you can find all that stuff there. Uh, years worth of interviews and write-ups and everything. And Cat's a really great writer, so I definitely recommend you go check it out. Check out some of the interviews. It'll give you a Taste of what you can expect on that podcast coming up. Uh, one of the other things Joe and I both have coming up, actually, this coming this coming Saturday, August eleventh, uh, as part of Music Fest, which, if you don't know, is basically one of the biggest free outdoor music festivals in the entire United States. Yeah. Uh, there's free comedy happening all throughout the festival, and Joe and I are actually part of the Improv Comedy Power Hour show. At uh, at music fest, you've probably heard me talk about this on our show all the time. But uh, this is a really big show for us. It's a free show for people to come check out. Um, and the Improv Comedy Power Hour is the show that I do and Joe does every second and fourth Saturday. And it's a big deal for us because this is probably going to be one of our biggest shows of the year.
1: That's starting a little later, 11:15 yeah. this
0: time. Yes, but so. uh, but yeah, if you're in the Bethlehem, Pennsylvania area and you want to come check out some improv comedy. This is the best time to come check it out. There's all sorts of great shows coming throughout Music Fest. So if you're out at Music Fest and you want to see some comedy, check out all the schedule information on music on I think it's musicfest.org. There's also a Music Fest app where you can get the schedules and build your lineups of whatever you want to see. Make sure you check out some comedy for coming to Music Fest because there's always good shit.
1: And even, even tonight, there's a free show of improvised stand-up yes. at 11.15. Yeah. If I can swing it after work, I would love to check that out. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. So, um, And as I always
0: mention, for more information on those shows and more coming to Steel Stacks in Bethlehem, you can go to www.steelstacks.org slash comedy for more information and to find out when cool shows are coming up.
1: Do you remember the last Music Fest show we did in Family Laundry?
0: Yes, that was...
1: That was last, yeah, last year. We, I'm thinking, was that the one where you, Brock, and Rob were all like truck drivers that were delivering Valentine's Day cards? Yes, I think, so. I think yeah, so. I yeah. just remember that one.
0: Yeah, because I and I specifically remember there was a there was a scene. No, I'm thinking it was in a different show, at Music Fest. But I remember doing a scene at last year's Music Fest where we had replaced Santana on stage. And we were we were doing this stupid... Rob and I were these drunk dudes, or it was me, Rob, and Brock were these drunk dudes, doing this clop-clop, clop-clop thing, where we're clopping Music Fest mugs together. <laughs> Space Object Music Fest mugs together, pretending we're the mounted police. <laughs> Just... <laughs> <laughs> Drunk assholes who then end up on stage doing their mounted police gimmick at music fest. I
1: wonder was that maybe uh the best of uh, maybe the best of show.
0: Best of show, yeah. It was def- I think it was that. But yeah, gosh. Last year's last year's music fest show for Power Hour was great. I'm expecting this year's to be even better, so like I said, come check it out if you're in the Bethlehem area. You won't be disappointed. Even if you just come to Music Fest and then check out the comedy, there's all sorts of awesome stuff.
1: Now, how do you now? That's gonna be like you said, one of the biggest shows of the year. How do you approach when you have a bigger crowd like that? Does that affect you at all? Not really. Um, I, I think the the thing that's more
0: the thing that's more interesting is how the crowd's gonna be because yeah. if you ha- if you've never been to Music Fest, the big thing is Music Fest mugs, and those mugs can be filled with beer at any time yeah. at a number of stations, and people take advantage of that quite a lot so um, the big thing is just not worrying about what the crowd throws out at you because the crowd is gonna be completely unpredictable yeah I uh, you know I treat you know I treat it like every other show but the big thing is it's just kind of letting all the <laughs> dumb stuff that may come from the crowd go one in one ear out the other so yeah on Friday night everybody was really well behaved yeah, yeah so, so so should be a good crowd so uh, so I think with that being said uh, make sure you come check out those shows make sure you check out the never done again podcast on YouTube and uh, I think with that being said, let's go back to the show, and let's tell another story. Let's do it.
1: All right, and we are back with Joe after our break. Joe, how'd that break go for you? What'd you think? It's good. I kept sipping this Shock Top Lemon Shandy in here. Yeah. Can you keep that, or do you have to delete that out, because it's like oh, the a name brand? Uh, uh, you know what? We give no free ads, so I'm just going to
0: talk about Shock Top Lemon Shandy, and... It, you know what? But actually, why am I still talking about it if we get no free ads? Pay me money, Shock Top. Damn it. Good point. <laughs> They're probably not listening, though. It was, it was a
1: good break. I sipped my uh, Shandy. I looked at my phone. I've got some texts from a few people. And cool. Uh, life is good. 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 Well, now we're going to get back into the storytelling mode because we're
0: going to tell one more story before I let you go here. Or I'm just going to keep you indefinitely, That's and you're fine, just going to keep telling more stories. So, uh, in the second half of the show here, uh, recently, uh, we got some suggestions from our friends in the Bim Bambino Podcasters group on Facebook, uh, who are all fans of the pro- the podcast My Brother, My Brother, and Me, hosted by the wonderful McElroy Brothers, and there's a great group of people who have their own podcasts, and we, we went to that Facebook group and asked for suggestions of story titles, as opposed to the... Sometimes terrible, randomly generated story suggestions. Um, We went through a couple of them last week, but I found one here from that list that we culled um, that I actually really liked, and I wanted to tell the story today. Let's hear it. So, Joe, the the story we're going to tell today comes from our friend Stefan Ito from the Talking with Dinosaurs podcast, which is the world's number one comedy dinosaur podcast trivia show. Hosted by a New Zealander. What's it called? I'm going to have to listen to that. It's called Talking with Dinosaurs.
1: Wow. Yes. That sounds
0: great. Yeah, so, uh, so this is from our friend Stefan. Thank you, Stefan. We'll make sure to link all your uh, all your social stuff and the link to your podcast in our description below. And uh, he submitted the title suggestion, Skeleton Love. Skeleton Love? Skeleton Love, yes. All right. We're going to get romantic up in here for the second half of this episode.
1: Okay. Yeah. Who wants to start it off?
0: Well, well typically what I do is I like to set the scene. So, folks for your listening enjoyment and for the first and last time, Joe and I are going to tell the story of skeleton
1: love. Hunter Shale had his little paintbrush in his hand. He was clearing off the dust fragments from what appeared to be the bone of a forearm. He was sweeping sweeping, totally lost in thought, sweeping all the debris from this ancient arm when suddenly a pink stiletto heel walked into his view. He looked up there she was, Vale Kemmelton. She looked down at Hunter and said, "How's it going with the archaeological dig, Hunter?" And he and he replied back,
0: "Yeah, it's all right. It's just going all right. I mean, you know, I'm just just you know, just sweeping off these bones. You know, this is what I do. Just sweeping bones." <laughs> what was her name? <laughs>
1: vale Kemmelton. Vale Kemmelton. Where did that name come from? Vale Vale cocked a sly grin and said, you know, for your first time on an archaeological dig, you ain't too bad, Hunter. You ain't too bad. The the interesting thing about Hunter,
0: Hunter came from a family of archaeologists. His whole family had uncovered centuries worth of fossils and different archaeological finds. His family, his great-great-great-grandfather, was actually the first to find fossilized remains of um, of Triceratops, actually. Wow. Yeah. He was the first to find those fossilized remains.
1: Hunter had been denying his past and his destiny for quite some time. Mm-hmm. He quit studying archaeology in college and was working night shifts at a convenience store. But a sudden twist of fate brought him back into the family business. Yes, his, his father... Uh, his father came down with a nasty illness on the
0: middle of a uh, middle of a major dig, and the only way that they could actually complete the dig was if somebody came in his father's place. That's right. And he visited his father in the hospital. His father his father Harold. His father, you know, he went to the hospital, sat down next to him. His father in his in his shortness of breath whispered whispered to Hunter, just said, Hunter, I need you to go and finish this for me. You want this family to continue its legacy. I need you to go. I need you to be, be the man that we know you can be.
1: And with that, his father passed away and his, his hand unfolded. And there written on a piece of paper was the combination to a lockbox at the post office sounds like some national treasure shit. I like this. Hunter picked it up one. Oh, well, there's well, some papers <laughs> on a piece of paper. I don't know, I don't know how it worked. It. What, what it <laughs> so he walked up to the lady at the counter at the post office. And, and together, like, <laughs> the lady at the counter and Hunter went to the post office, Janet at the local post office, and they opened the lockbox, and there it was, the little paintbrush that all archaeologists use to dust off the bones. Yes. But this one was special because the handle of this paintbrush was carved
0: ivory from from a beautiful elephant that was, that was found in in Africa and this this brush was carved from this large piece of ivory which you can't do anymore but this this has been in Hunter's family for generations
1: the post office lady looked at Hunter and said go on grab it it's yours hunter was nervous but he did and for the first time in his life he felt a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, and he held it up and he said, "Oh, well, okay. I guess uh, I guess I'll go uh, be an archaeologist now. Yeah, I guess I guess I'll go just uh, <laughs> just sweep some bones,
0: <laughs> just go sweeping them bones. That's what my dad did. So I'm just gonna go
1: sweep them bones." And so, following a 13-hour flight, later he found himself on the site of an archaeological dig, somewhere in Egypt. So we
0: then cut back to present time. Where Hunter is there with Vale, and Vale just seems to look at him and just looks him up and down and just notices that he that there's something, something strange about him that seems like he's hiding something.
1: He's hiding some sort of infatuation. Vale said, "Hunter, you know it gets often oh, it gets awfully lonely on these cold Egyptian nights here on the site of the dig." I could use a big brawny man like you to keep me warm and talk about archaeological stuff. What do you think about that?
0: Now we should we should mention, Hunter is a very Hunter's maybe about five foot eight, very lanky young man, you know, very skinny. Vale is this voluptuous woman, you know. Well, you know she's beautiful beyond belief. That's right. So Hunter
1: was just. Taken aback by, by her comments. Hunter has the uh, same haircut he's had since middle school. He's got this bowl cut. But he hasn't maintained it, so it dips a little bit in front of his eye. So he okay. parted the bangs of his bowl cut. And just was, whoa. You're so pretty. You're pretty. And Vale said, you have a knack for understatement, Hunter. <laughs> she got in the, the little sight of the dig with them and and picked up the brush and started sweeping she said hunter this looks like one of our early ancestors back when men reminded me of you masculine unapologetically rugged (laughs) in some ways you are the modern incarnation of our first human primates now
0: the the interesting thing about about these bones that they were digging up was you know it's very hard to tell who they who they were what they were yes but hunter had already amassed a large collection of these bones from this one particular spot and the one thing he didn't really know was what all of these pieces came together for and little did he know that all of these bones that he had dug up and brushed off one by one by one were of one person, one particular person, and that was Cleopatra. Wow, everybody thought you know Cleopatra was mummified, that she was she was preserved, but she wasn't centuries before her tomb was unearthed, and she was thrown from her tomb so that people could get after her fortune and all of her all of her prized possessions, she was left for left for waste. But Hunter did not realize what he had unearthed and what was about to come, and the decision that he would
1: have to make. When Cleopatra gave the instructions to her servants to spread her bones throughout the land, it also came with the curse to those that disrupted those bones. And Hunter just found himself the winner of uh, of the short straw, he came up very unlucky. Yes. And one
0: night, when he and Vale were were enjoying their evenings in the Egyptian desert, the bones the bones themselves started to come together into a figure, into a human skeletal figure. And all of a sudden, the rest of the ethereal plane brought together the body and the soul of Cleopatra into an actual living being. And Cleopatra, she could tell where Hunter was. She knew where he was, so she found his tent, she made her way over, and in the middle of the night, woke Hunter up from a deep sleep.
1: To much confusion from Hunter, because he he was knocked out like a light. <laughs> Hunter looked up and he saw the specter of what could only be Egypt's Queen Cleopatra. And he looked and he said, Whoa, that's like really fucking cool. You're like, you're really, you're like, you're like, you look like royalty. Like you're, you're, you're really pretty too. You're very pretty. Cleopatra pointed a bejeweled, bony index finger and said, You belong to me now. You will carry out my commands. And order number one, you must stop this archaeological dig. You must undermine it because it is disturbing my eternal rest. Do you hear me? Am I clear? Hunter bowed and wiped a little bit of spittle from the left part of his Lip and said, uh, "Yeah, okay. I guess I can, I guess I can do that. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I mean, I gotta tell my dad that like Cleopatra told me not to do it, and he's
0: gonna be like, what Well, I mean, he's dead, so he doesn't, he won't know. But like, I mean, I'll probably have to answer like later on when we meet in heaven or something. But
1: the next day, Vale shows up at the archaeological dig, walks over to Hunter's workstation, and finds Hunter sitting, not doing anything." He was actually playing Candy Crush on his iPhone. Playing Candy Crush. Vale says, what is the meaning of this, Hunter? I'm not paying you to rest on your laurels. Hunter looked up, and in both of his hands, he had remnants of the bone he had discovered yesterday. He had crushed it into dust, and he said... This must stop This is bad I,
0: I don't want to tell you what happened last night But something happened last night And I can't do this anymore And I, I just want to get out of here Because I just want to go home uh, I mean I just lost my dad recently So there's like a lot
1: of emotion going on here So this is like not really good for me So I need to I need to get out of here Vail turned and spoke to herself And said damn it That's the fourth worker on this site To quit in the span of two days Maybe the legend is true Maybe I should tell the HR department something is going on here. She turned back to Hunter. There's nothing to be scared of, she said, Hunter. You're the best worker I have, and it's time I want you to know the truth. I have feelings for you. And if you want to be with me, you'll keep digging up those bones, goddammit. So Hunter found himself
0: in quite the pickle, in quite the Egyptian pickle. You like that one, huh? I do, yeah. That was good. <laughs> Side note, what would an Egyptian pickle taste like? I
1: don't know. I haven't really had Egyptian food. I guess, uh, I don't know, might have some... Uh, Probably some turmeric in it, I would say. Yeah, I don't... You know, when I when I was in Israel, the um, the falafels came with pickles. Oh, So, really? pickles might be, like, big in the Middle East. I don't hmm. know. That might make sense. Yeah. So, uh, back to
0: our story. Yes. <laughs> he, was, he was in quite the Egyptian pickle. Um, he had to choose between ending the dig to save basically himself and humanity from further destruction from Cleopatra or to continue the dig and to save his love for for Vale. Uh, so it was quite the decision. Do you choose love? Do you choose the skeleton? Love, skeleton, love, skeleton.
1: It's quite the decision. Hunter always considered himself to be fairly persuasive and he hoped that night that the ghoulish specter of Cleopatra would visit again and he could talk some sense into her. Mm -hmm. And so it was. Later that night at around 2 a.m., the flap of the tent blew open and there stood Cleopatra in front of Hunter. And Hunter got to his knees and said, Hey, look, uh, you know... Um, You've been really cool and all, yeah, but and like and like, I really
0: like you, and I think we I think you're like very pretty, like I said before, and I'll say it again, you're very pretty. I mean, it might be an understatement, but you're very pretty, and I just don't think this is gonna work out. Uh, I I've got some I got some things to deal with on my end that are a little more pressing, and I don't know if I can fulfill your goals as you're wanting me to so i'm gonna have to respectfully decline your offer i thank you for the consideration and i wish
1: you the best in your future endeavors suddenly there was a horrible thunder crack and the tent blew away and it was just hunter on his knees on the sand looking up at cleopatra and cleopatra said i tried to make you my servant but now i will just have to do this my own way and inhabit your mortal body and the bones dropped into dust, and a miasma of energy shot right into Hunter's mouth, and his eyes turned white. And suddenly, the spirit of Cleopatra was in our protagonist's body. So Hunter, Hunter, Cle- Hunter,
0: Patra, as we'll as we'll lovingly call him, uh, fell back to sleep in the cot with Vale, and uh, and awoke the next morning. He was awake before Vale woke up. Vale. Bill had a tendency to sleep in quite a bit. She, even though she led the dig site, she did not want to get up early. She she took she took her time getting up because beauty takes forever to be perfect. So when she woke up, she noticed that she noticed that Hunter wasn't there. When she found him, she found him just and she noticed the tent was gone. She was very confused. She didn't know what happened. She's a very deep sleeper, so she didn't hear anything that happened. Um, she woke up. She saw Hunter just
1: standing in the corner of the dig site, just staring at the wall. Vail said, "Hunters, there's something wrong?" Hunter turned around and said, "You know, there used to be a, a pyramid here and I I I, lo- I mean I like pyramids, you know, and I wish it was still
0: here. I mean, yeah. there's you can do a lot of stuff in pyramids. You can you can like build your home, you can store a lot of your possessions, your like otherworldly possessions. You can, you know, have ghosts of your own self there that you may not know about and you may just want to keep there for people to not find out about for centuries
1: and centuries." And Vale stopped mid-sentence and said, Hunter, since when were you given all of this historical knowledge on ancient Egypt? There's something else going on. And then with that, Hunter's body just seized up,
0: his neck shot back, and a beam of light shot out from his mouth straight up into the sky, and cracks of thunder were heard, and just Vale did not understand what was going on. She was freaked out, and understandably so.
1: Because this, this man just turned into a giant spotlight out of no particular reason whatsoever. As she looked around here, she saw other remnants and shards of bone protruding from the sand, and they all started just piecing themselves together like some sort of hellish jigsaw puzzle. And suddenly she was flanked on all sides by a Ray Harryhausen-type skeletal army. She shrieked and ran for the nearest source of safety, Which was a little dune buggy parked about 20 feet away. Yeah. She jumped in the dune buggy, but it wouldn't start. And suddenly she saw Hunter slowly. Oh, wait, he's he's a beam of light now, isn't he? He's, well, he, I mean, basically, he's still
0: he's still just like seized up in his human form as a okay. beam of light. So she basically picks him up and just carries him like a flashlight, basically, okay. and puts you. him in the doom buggy. Gotcha. Now, granted, there it, it is very dark and stormy now with the way, like, it, basically, he just she just unleashed hell on the entire world. So he's a, he's actually a good force to be able to. It's basically a fog light. He's a giant fog light that she wow. can keep in the, in the passenger seat and just tilt his head down and move his move his neck around
1: and just shine out anything in the way. So, finally she gets the dune buggy to start, and she's driving it over the mounds and the ripples of the sand. There's
0: thunder crashing, there's
1: skeletal warriors just dropping
0: in front of her she mows them down as she makes her way through the through the through the dunes and the mounds and making her way towards safety, which seemed to be even further and further away than initially anticipated.
1: She noticed that hunter who was now in the form of a fog light was aimed at at her pocket and she reached into her pocket as she was driving the Dune Buggy with one hand and she pulled out this blue sapphire amulet and she goes, Is this what you want? And she threw it away, but it didn't do anything and she continued (laughs) (laughs) continued to drive the Dune buggy.
0: Such a fucking good (laughs) rage
1: She threw it and it did nothing nothing. (laughs)
0: I'm sorry. I just love
1: how fucking nonchalant that was. That was great. (laughs) Anyway, continue. Excuse me. (laughs) She continued driving until she came to the site of another archaeological dig. She said, thank God. She jumped out of the dune buggy. But as she approached, she could see that the tents were mildewed from the rain and the weather. And they had been there for ages. And when she entered the tent, there was nobody there. Nothing. It was another cursed sight of an archaeological dig that messed with forces beyond their control and tried to disrupt history. And and with that,
0: Vale stopped the buggy, got out, and looked towards the sky and said, What do you want from me? What is it that you need? Just tell me and I will help. I want this to be over. I want Hunter to be safe. I love him, and I care for him, and I want him to know that. And with that Cleopatra could be heard from the skies above saying just take him and leave leave me to be in my eternal rest do not come back here once more and I will not harm you or the world any further.
1: And Vale said are you serious no no double tricks and then Cleopatra said yes but you must learn to love Hunter in the form of a spotlight And so they made it back to the United States in her small apartment. Well, well, Hunter then got a job as a
0: spotlight for many major Hollywood premieres at the Man's Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. He was great at his job. He earned lots of money. Kind of stiff, though. Kind of stiff as a stiff personality, if you ask me.
1: Vale went on to have multiple affairs and other partners. (laughs) The that end. is the end. That is Hollywood after all. That's, that's <laughs> Skeleton Love, man.
0: <laughs> oh man. Oh, Skeleton Love. That was oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. So again, thank you to Stefan Ito from talking with dinosaurs for that suggestion. Oddly oddly like worked really well with his podcast Our Story Archaeological. Man, man we're like that was really good. That was good. I like yeah. that. Gosh. Joe, thank you so much for joining us Thanks today. that us was fun man so much fun. That was fun. I'm really happy to have you on um, so for people that want to find you on the internet, do you have like a Twitter or Instagram or anything where people can find you anywhere?
1: No, I really don't <laughs> I mean I'm on Facebook. I've considered starting a Twitter to maybe discuss movies and mm-hmm. and stuff, but no, I really you know. I'm, I'm a man of two worlds because my day job is so removed from the improv stuff mm-hmm. that i haven't been able to figure out a way to square the two yeah right and some someday i'll figure that out but well
0: you and i talk movies all the time yeah i'd love to do some sort of thing with movies with you because you and i we have very similar taste in film absolutely so that would be like really fun i think to do so that might be something we might have to look at as another podcast in the future god damn it i already do 2 <laughs> why am i thinking of doing more
1: <laughs> yeah, I consider myself, I'm an improviser, but I'm on the down low. Yeah. You know, if you see me and I'm great, awesome, but if you Google me, will be like, this guy doesn't exist. Yeah. This guy's yeah. in the witness you're protection. An, you're an enigma. That's I'm what you're You're an enigma. You're, That's you're, it. An enigma. That's it. you're a
0: social enigma, but you're you a fucking great improviser, and I love working Thanks with you. Thanks, so.
1: well, you're, well, you're a master. Yeah.
0: Today, you're oh. Right. oh, stop. Stop. That's true. Stop. You're just doing this because you're on my show. That's all. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm
1: just doing it because he gave me a beer. That's true. That's true.
0: Uh, folks if you want to find me on Twitter you can find me at E underscore Williamson 93 uh, you can find my regular co-host Lynn at A Y N N E L N N on Twitter um, most of whatever we do on the internet can be found on the Twitter page uh, if you want to follow the show on social media you can find the show at read between cast on Twitter and Instagram and you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash read between cast uh, we also have another podcast called Nostalgia Cops uh, that's a monthly podcast where we do re- where we rewatch shows from our childhood to see if they actually hold up after so many years Uh, you can find that show on spotify on stitcher on google play on itunes and we got another episode coming out at the end of august uh, all about hey arnold so make sure you look out for that Um, you can find that show on twitter at nostalgia cops and on instagram at nostalgia cops um you can find read between on itunes on spotify on stitcher on pinecast on google you, play youtube too youtube too like me let you, yep youtube and make sure you check out the never done again podcast you can find it on youtube just search never done again podcast and make sure you check out cat's blog at neverdoneagain.wordpress.com well i think that's going to do it for us today joe again thank you so much for joining me today And thank you for being a co-host. That was fun. Yeah, this was so much fun. We hope to have you again sometime. Yeah. We'd love to have you.
1: See you Saturday. Yeah,
0: I will see you Saturday. And if you're in the Bethlehem PA area this weekend, come check out Improv Comedy Power Hour at Steel Stacks. Do it. It's free. It's fun. And uh, that's going to do it for this week. So we will talk to you guys next week. Enjoy your week. Have a great week. See ya. See ya.